feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. Is the calculator out? No, I don't think Celtic will be looking at Rangers now. I don't think they'll be even paying attention to the results. Yeah, it was a surprising performance by Rangers. Very much looked like a Neil Lennon team of old on the front foot, direct. See, Zunga, Fergie, you want to see more for somebody like that. You're yeah. getting your chance in a team that are 21 points clear. Like, go and express yourself. Steve Orris, Hamilton should have won that game. Yeah, again, Rangers get through it and don't lose, which is important. important. The Goal Radio Football Show. With OPC Energy Limited. Hosted by Rob McLean, Stephen Cregan and Simon Donnelly. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 17 17 700. Let's go! Rangers struggled at Hamilton on Sunday but they are still unbeaten in the Premiership after 28 games 21 points in front with 10 games to go surely no cause for alarm Stephen Craig and even though Celtic could trim 3 points off that lead if they win in Paisley tomorrow night well they could do but listen I think Rangers have got too big a gap Celtic have left it too late no doubt about it I think it's a case of when Rangers become champions not if Beating St Mirren tomorrow could be a challenge for Neil Lennon's team. Saints have already beaten both Celtic and Rangers this season and they're looking at more and more like top six certainties. Livingston against Hamilton is another intriguing game that's only 24 hours away. Livy looking to bounce back from their first defeat in 15 games. And Tommy Wright has his first match as Kilmanic manager tomorrow at six. Will he have an immediate impact against Motherwell at Rugby Park. Aberdeen don't play till Saturday. There was a vote of confidence from the chairman for Derek McInnes last night, but he's clearly still a manager under pressure. And there's going to be no quick return for lower league or women's football. That's going to be reassessed on the 1st of March. And there has to be a question mark hanging over the Scottish Cup crags. Absolutely, Rob. I just can't see how they're going to squeeze that in. You know, I think the lower leagues are scheduled to play 27 games. It may have to be uh, revisited. It could be a case of just playing each team twice and playing 18 games in, trying to squeeze the Scottish Cup in. But I would imagine the SFA will want their showcase event to go ahead in some shape or form. How that is, no idea. The other question is, where's Simon Donnelly? Got a mention at the top, but we won't be seeing him for weather reasons. Mm. He hasn't I would imagine he's snowed in. Yeah, he I is. have no idea where he lives but I imagine he's snowed in yeah. the, we got here the question is will we get home <laughs> exactly. but that is for later two hours of football chat firstly on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited we will be hearing later in the, at the top of the second hour from the former Kilmarnock manager Alex Dyer just as Tommy Wright gets his feet under the table as the new Killy manager prepares for his first game in charge uh, tomorrow night we'll hear from Alex Dyer about his time at Kilmarnock how it all ended and what happens next. We're going to hear right now from the Kilmarnock winger, Chris Burke. Hi, Chris. How are you guys? He's okay? How very you well. Now, Rob? You're sounding How very well? laid back, calm, cool. Uh, I'll be- collect by the end <laughs> of tomorrow night as well. Yeah. How, how's, <laughs> um, the, how's the new gaffer? Yeah, brilliant, excellent. Um, 
first and foremost, you know, you don't want to to be in a position where you've lost a manager. You know, it's never a it's never a nice feeling, is it? Especially how well respected and how well liked he was um, at the football club. And us as players have to take accountability for what happened. But no, the, um, the new managers came in. He's had two training sessions and try to implement some of his style of play and his fundamentals and the players are taking to it really well Rob really well um, so we're looking forward to the game on Wednesday and hopefully you know as every manager that steps in a new manager they tend to get a good uh, result when they step in first the first game so hopefully we can do the same Have you got a message for Alex Dyer when we talk to him later? Yeah oh listen he's a fantastic man he's a great human being done a lot for me I don't think I would have probably played as much as if it wasn't for him you know the way he managed me that's the thing he's a man manager as well you know individually so I've I've got a lot of time for for the man um, and I've obviously spoke to him after they left but I'll definitely be keeping in touch if I need any advice in the future Chris when you say all that you know he seems like a very good man people seem to respect him why then did it go wrong without you know I'm sure there's not one thing but for all the positives you're talking about how come it didn't work out yeah, I know, um, Steve, it's, it's really difficult one. I think there is a, a, a number of cases and none more so than COVID. And I really do think that a lot of teams have been hurt by it more so than others. And we just get, you know, key players missing in, in key moments in, in the league. Uh, you know, we've lost our spine of our defence um, and we've had to, you know, maybe play younger players that are still well in the game and, and sometimes that, that doesn't work out that way with results, etc. But we have to collectively, you know, take responsibility. Um, it's hard as well for Kamarnock. Like, I think when you're a, a team that wants to always rebuild every season, and and that with that it comes players' ins and outs are bigger. Um, so again, with COVID situations with injuries and losing players in key moments in in the league. Um, it's it's obviously unfortunately for Alex and the position that we're in just now with him losing his job and us in tenth place. It's interesting though listening to to what Tommy has said. I mean, sometimes a new manager comes in in a difficult situation and he's immediately making excuses uh, and and he's immediately painting the negative ahead of uh, you know how he hopes to turn things around. But really optimistic noises uh, today, Chris. Let's have a listen to Tommy Wright. The two sessions that we've had quality's been outstanding and um, you know having looked at a, a lot of the games that you know, they have made individual errors and at crucial times lost you know late goals lost leads um, but the overall quality of the squad and what I've seen um, you know and I knew most of the players anyway um, it just reaffirmed my opinion of them they've been excellent their work rate and the quality and the attitude of them has, has been really good and um, you know the club have you know, made it easy for me to you know to, to come in and um, we just got on with my job that's a, that's a really positive outlook, isn't it? From 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 day one, Chris. Oh yeah, excellent. Um, you know, he has been very positive since he's walked in the door. Um, he's been great with the group, and it's nice to hear him say that he's maybe been pleasantly surprised with the standard as well. So I think he was talking about you, wasn't he? <laughs> I hope so. I'm I'm on the bench tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm only joking. I don't know the team yet, but. Um, no, he's been. He's, that's great to see that. Obviously, he gives that optimistic feel about the place, and 
he knows, listen, a new manager came in, he's, he wanted to take the job. It was a, an attraction for him. And we have to prove ourselves again. You know, he, he did say that it's an 11 game season now for Kamarnock. Um, you can forget the rest of the games. And as you said there in the interview as well, which was probably, I should have said to see, we've probably made bad choices at bad times. You know, you know individual areas at key times, you know, we've lost points, a lot of points that probably in past seasons we would have maybe picked up, you know, the three points or the one when before. If you look at our table, you know, I think we're the ones that have had the least draws in the league. Um, and probably something that Commander have done in the past is made sure they stayed in the game. And if they don't win, they get a point. So, no, it was a real optimistic feeling that the, 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 the two days that him and, you know, Paul Stevenson have come in and implemented into the group. Do you know what I mean, Craig? Some, sometimes it's yeah. sometimes a, a manager coming in in these sort of circumstances paints up the negative to 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 give him buy himself a bit of time. Yeah. But he's basically saying there's a lot of outstanding talent yeah. here, and I'm seeing it already. Well, Tommy's trying to get a response from the players. You know, I wouldn't have expected him to come out and say training hasn't been great. The couple of days didn't go to plan. Uh, naturally, he's been out of the game for a while, so he's probably mellowed a little bit, Tommy, over the past few months, probably realised how much he enjoys the game and how much he misses it. So I expected him to be positive, absolutely, because Chris said it, you know, 11 games to go, that's all they've got. Um, you know, they've got Motherwell tomorrow night, then I think they're away to Rangers, away to Aberdeen. So that's been traditionally t- uh, difficult venues for them to go to over the, certainly this season. So he will want a response right away. But it's hard, Chris, isn't it? You know, when a new manager comes in, he's got two days, he can try and give some information, but you've got to be careful you don't give information overload to try and complicate it from the player so I wouldn't imagine tomorrow night we'll see a big change tactically he'll be looking for body language for energy for appetite from the players just to show that they've got that response from him coming in Oh exactly Stephen you're totally right in what you said you know especially when you know maybe some players that haven't been in this situation before you have to calm them down and calm them there you don't want to overcomplicate things for them they just have to get back to the basics and do the fundamentals mm-hmm. correctly and as I said before good decision making you know you could be a talented player but you have to make the right choices at the right times and probably something that we've done collectively as a team this season is not do that as well as what we have done in the past and he's he's obviously his two training sessions that he's put together um, he has been optimistic but in the same time you know realistic and he did say that I will fall out with some of you but I don't hold any grudges so um, I'm looking forward to working with him and, and Paul Do you feel your confidence is intact Chris and, and the confidence of the squad generally to be able to bounce back because obviously we all know what a five game losing streak does to, to belief Oh no, listen, football's all about momentum as well. You know, you see it with Livingston, and you've seen it with St Murn as well this season, and obviously Rangers are still doing it. Momentum, even if you look at the game against Rangers Hamilton, if you want to talk about that, you know, they didn't play well, you know, Stephen Gerrard did it himself, but they've still got that momentum, you know, just to make sure they don't lose the game. So, yeah, momentum, and obviously a five-game losing streak's not great, but it has to stop sometime. That's the bottom line. And um, none more so we're looking to try and stop that in Wednesday night. Listen, Motherwell fans will know what I'm going to talk about, but Motherwell have had a little habit over the years of when a team has been struggling for a win or a centre-forward's <laughs> been struggling for a goal, they always seem to give them a little foot up. So I know certainly the Motherwell fans over the weekend, as soon as Tommy Wright was announced, they thought, uh-oh, you know, here we go again. So I don't imagine mm-hmm. that you know, the players will be thinking that way or, or the current management staff, but... 
Um, you know, there's no doubt when you look at Motherwell in 20, what, 25 points and yourselves in 24 points, it's a huge game for both. And whoever can get the victory, it gives a huge psychological boost. It just gives that little gap back to Ross County uh, and, and, and just widens it a little bit. So there is so much at stake, Chris, isn't there? Well, there's so much at stake this season. Um, it's probably, if you're honest, yourselves, it's been more interesting down the bottom end of the table yeah. than it has <laughs> been the top, hasn't it? You know, you just don't know. You know, Hamlet must have had a fantastic against Rangers at the weekend there. You know, people were breaking them off before the game was even, the ball was even kicked and look how well they played. Um, and then you've got Ross County, you've got ourselves, you've got, you know, Motherwell and then St Johnson as well, but they've obviously got a good result there against Livingston. So it's, it's, it's really interesting for the neutral and for yourselves to talk about the, the bottom. And it is a massive game for the both teams. You're right in state and saying that. This is probably our game in hand, which is a home game. So we will be looking to take the game to them and hopefully get three points, which will maybe create a little gap, as you said. Um, but it's going to be, I think it's going to go to the wire, if I'm honest. The next, probably the last two or three games, it will be all decided, maybe even the last game. But as I said, you know, this is why you're in football. It's not always highs. You know, there's going to be lows and you're going to have to experience this. I've experienced this when I was at Birmingham. Um, so I have to use my expertise to help the and nurture the young ones and, and, and help them through this situation because it could be a little bit unknown to them. Um, at the end of the day, it's just a game of football. You, even though you're in a five-game losing streak, um, you can always win the next one. You can always play well in the next one and just put that behind you, what happened in the past. It's a, it's an interesting section of the league table. Uh, it's a, a section you'd happily not be part of uh, as well, as you say. Um, Tommy Wright uh, also telling us uh, today that he walked the Sahara, although not literally. Here he is. I didn't go well, straight away. I wanted with COVID. planned a few trips abroad to clubs abroad and a couple of Premier League clubs to help with my development as a coach. In the main, I've been gardening, golfing, when I was allowed to go, or when we were allowed to go, and doing a lot of walking. Apparently, I've walked the length of the Sahara Desert since the time I've been off. So, it's done me good. But the main thing is, I feel fresh and, and, and really, you know, ready to go. Yeah, Tommy talking about uh, his time off, which didn't go as planned, uh, not surprisingly, but he's become very good at the, the gardening, not so good at the golfing, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> and he's been doing a fair, a fair bit of hiking. And, and he will feel that. Uh, that he's got something something to prove here because I mean he achieved big time uh, at St Johnston, but uh, but he's got it all to do now with Kilmarnock. And he, he was also talking Chris today about the seventeen players who are out of contract in the summer, uh, but he sees that as a as a positive, and and that that's a lot of people playing for their futures, playing for their livelihoods, and that can actually benefit the team between now and the end of the season. Oh, you're, you're totally right. I think that's probably one thing that's worked in his favour. Um, everybody has to prove themselves. You know, he he could talk about myself. He could talk about somebody that's not not played as much. Everybody, I've not proved myself yet to to the new manager or Paul Stevenson. Um, as much as they might have known me in the in the outside, they don't know me who I am and what I can deliver for them um, as them being manager. So, seventeen obviously um, players there that are still playing for their future for Kilmarnock, um, and it could give the players a little lift. The ones that maybe haven't been given the opportunity they feel that they, they deserved. Um, so it's always up to the player, isn't it? Um, it's, the, the manager can only put out the team, see what he sees in training, give them opportunities, and that's when you just need to grasp and take it. 
Nicky Gabamba has been one Crags of late who, who hasn't seemed to be featuring too much. He's made a big yeah. impression at times this season, but it, but it, you know, one can only assume he's not been in the starting lineup for a reason. Well, I don't watch him every week, so Chris would probably be better to answer on that. But certainly on his day, when you look at the attributes that he has, the important goals that he's got, um, likes playing as a front two. He's got plenty of pace. You know, we've watched him often enough against the old firm teams, particularly down at Kilmarnock, and he poses them problems, Rob, because he can you know he can do everything. That you want a centre forward to do. However, you have to do it week after week. And if you're not doing it, you know, Chris has sent it there. If you're not doing it, then, you know, it's it's an opportunity for someone else to come in. But it'll just be interesting to see what Tommy does with the team because Tommy initially at St Johnson liked an experienced backbone in his team. And I look through the Kilmarnock side, Chris being 37, um, Malumbu 34, Guy Decker 34, Lee, uh, Alan Power 33, Colin Doyle 35. So there's a few players on the wrong side of 30 but that's maybe just what Tommy needs that little bit of experience where he can trust those players to go onto the pitch take his information on board talk to the younger ones round about and allow the younger ones to go and get after the game try and win the game and the experienced players can be the backbone because that's what he built the success on at St Johnston so I think looking at the squad the balance he'll like but of course if you get guys like Nicky Kabamba playing and Greg Kilty playing and scoring goals then you've got a really good chance but I'm sure you look at the squad Chris and you think we've got more than enough to stay in the division Oh yeah, uh, we do. Um, you know, you're you're right in saying we have experience and abundance, um, but as well we have to take responsibility and, and nurture and help the other ones that haven't been in this situation. No, we're we are tense because we deserve to be there. Um, but I think the promising sign is, and the, the new manager said that he wouldn't have took the job if he didn't feel as if he could mm. climb the table, and and we're hoping that we can deliver that. Again, you know, it's up to us to, to prove a point. You know, we can do all the talking we want. You know, we can speak about X, Y and Z and, and who deserves to play, what sort of team's going to play, what sort of players he's got, what formation he's going to play. But at the end of the day, it's up, it's up to us. We have to make sure that we, first and foremost, stay in this league. You know, Kamarnock's a huge club with huge history behind it in this league. So we want to remain there um, and then hopefully build on that in, in the, the coming seasons. And just finally, Chris, uh, I mean, again, what what he does uh, bring to the job is a is a knowledge of the players because obviously, although he's been across the water, he, he's been watching closely at what's happening. He he knew most of the squad anyway, so it's not like a, a manager coming in from England or Europe or so, somewhere somewhere well away from Scottish football who maybe just sticks with the same team because he doesn't know any better. He'll come in. With it, with his own ideas of what the lineup's going to be tomorrow night already. Yeah, you know he said he's not picked a team yet, um, but you're right in saying that. You know he knows the players because if you think about it, when he was at St Johnson, you no, know, I was at Kilmarnock and other players were playing. He's probably done video analysis and and highlighted players that are fit. You know, so he knows their strengths and their weaknesses already. Um, so that's probably helped him to understand what formation he wants to play, how he wants to play it, and. And obviously he knows Motherwell as well. We just the sheer experience he's yeah. got in this in this league. I think he's played. He's managed like over three hundred games in for, for St Johnson. So yeah, you know he, that's probably something that's hopefully going to benefit us and Kilmarnock in the future, and hopefully get a a quick impact because he's already managed in this league. Good to have you on the show. Um, hope you start 
uh, tomorrow night. Hope you have an impact. Yeah. On, <laughs> I know you do. Um, but uh, all the best, Chris, and we'll, and we'll see you back in the studio before too much longer. Let's yeah, hope. Yeah, I hope so, guys. I hope so. Um, but you have a good show. All the best. Um, have a nightmare like tomorrow night against Mother Wabi Man. <laughs> <laughs> an absolute stinker. I, I knew was, that was coming. I was waiting for that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was saying. I didn't like how he told me he just broadcasted that I was 37 years of age. I know. <laughs> he, was feeding in all, he was feeding in all the negatives, wasn't he? You could tell what he was up to. Chris, despite that, all the best. No, <laughs> Cheers, you, man. That's right. Kilmarnock winger Chris Burke ahead of uh, tomorrow night's match between Kilmarnock and Motherwell. Tommy Wright's first in charge. Get in touch with us. Join the football chat 0808 17 17 700. Text GO in your message to 87474 on the socials at GO football show the Bull Radio football show let's go and the weather just looking outside is white <laughs> it's white <laughs> Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen have battled through the snowdrifts uh, to be here for Tuesday's Go Radio football show good to hear from Chris Burke there as well very positive about the arrival of Tommy Wright as manager and it is Kilmarnock against Motherwell uh, Craggs was impartial for most of that interview but it all went you lost yeah. it at the end yeah listen I've got to be selfish I want Motherwell to go down to Kilmarnock tomorrow night and get three points and get them up the table but listen both teams have had a tough season I think you know Chris said they're on a five game losing streak they've actually lost 10 of their last 13 so their form needs to be addressed ASAP I wouldn't be surprised if Billy Bowie has looked at Ross County they've had a little upturn since John Hughes arrived Davey Martin did a job he's done at Livingston since he came in and I think Motherwell have picked up a few points since Graham Alexander arrived so maybe he just felt it was it was the right time to try and inject uh, a little bit of life, you know, so to be said, into Kilmarnock to try and get them up the table. So Tommy Wright in charge is an experienced man. He knows the league. He knows how to win games. He's been successful with the smaller clubs. So I think he ticks all the boxes. So we're looking ahead to tomorrow night's games. Kilmarnock, Motherwell, Livingston against Hamilton. Uh, will Livingston bounce back from their first defeat in 15 games? Will Hamilton build on what they did on Sunday and what a performance uh, they turned in as well against Rangers? We're going to hear from uh, Brian Rice in the course of the show. We'll hear what he's had to say today on the back of that game. And the message, I think, very much is get the working overalls back on again. Let's not dwell on that game. It was just one point although it was uh, one priceless uh, premiership point there's no doubt about that uh, those two games are six o'clock tomorrow night it's eight o'clock for St Mirren against Celtic we're going to hear from uh, Jim Goodwin and we're going to hear from Neil Lennon what he's had to say as well and uh, let's before we bring you a little bit of breaking news um, hear what N Neil Lennon had to say Firstly, if I can uh, find it here, about that controversial moment in last week's games, uh, the 4-0 win at uh, Kilmarnock for Celtic, in which uh, Albion Ayeti won a penalty at the time, converted by Hudson Edward. It was the second goal of four, and it was only afterwards, of course, that Ayeti was cited for simulation. I've seen it, there's definitely contact. You can't really call it simulation. Simulation is when there's no contact and you know we've seen plenty of that over the years and we don't encourage that at all. But as a striker who's running very, very quickly and the goalkeeper's coming across his, his line as well, there's there's contact and you cannot, you know, gauge the force that, that hits you at at that speed. You know, I'm not a physicist or a you know a scientist, but um, I don't know how they can come to that conclusion that you know Albion's conned the referee in that instance. Well, the appeal result is out, apparently, uh, Craggs, and that's going to be turned around, that decision, the, the decision to cite a Yeti. 
Yeah, um, I think initially when I saw it at the time, Neil's spot on when there's contact, it's not effectively simulation, but I think it was certainly exaggeration. Yeah. You know, and Neil said he was running very fast. I'm not too sure he was running that fast. You know, I think he got there and he was waiting for the contact. And anybody who knows or, or watches football that any kind of touch in the back of the ankle doesn't make you throw yourself up in the air and throw yourself down. So I can understand why that uh, the referee thought he was conned because of the exaggeration off a of Yeti. But it's obviously went to the panel and it's three ex-referees have obviously had a look at it and thought, well, there is contact and they must have thought it was a penalty kick. I have to say it was very, very soft. Um, and certainly the the laws of the game are about trying to con the referee into making a decision. And I, I certainly think he, he had it a little bit more on than what he needed to. Um, but he's got away with it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we spoke about it on last Thursday's show uh, with Richard Foster and Shelley Kerr uh, were in here for that one. Um, and I, I'm a... a I, I don't like diving. I, I just, I just don't like diving. And whatever you want to call it, um, probably does qualify under simulation. If you, if you fling yourself the the way he did, yes, it's exaggeration. Yes, it's embellishment. Mm-hmm. It's an attempt to con the referee. And I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I'm not having a go. I'll be in a yeti in particular. It's just something I don't like in football. It's, it spoils it f- for me. Um, and. Yeah, yes, there was a little bit of contact, but as you say, not the sort of contact that would have provoked that sort of reaction. No, I don't think so. I don't think there was any need for him to, to you know, he almost bring his feet together and throw himself up in the air and put himself down. Listen, he was asking the referee to make a decision. That's what he was doing. But I just think the, the over-exaggeration, the excessive nature of his movement didn't didn't warrant the penalty kick for me. You know, and everybody thinks, well, there's contact, so it has to be a foul. It doesn't have to be. That's the problem with the game nowadays. Every time people come together or they bump into each other, somebody wants a foul, somebody wants a yellow card. Sometimes it, it, it happens in the game. I think if the referee had waved play on, then both players would have got up and got on with it. So um, I don't think there was any need for it. I, I think it was against Sparta Prague. He played earlier in the season. It was an incident opposite the, the opposite side of the dugout at Celtic Park and one of the Sparta Prague players touched him and he'd done a big similar kind of dive in the air and it was almost like the Sparta Prague, but I think it was Sparta Prague racing Milan and they looked at him as if, you know, what are you doing? So suddenly now, I would imagine referees now will be alerted to that, Rob. They will be keeping an eye on Albin Ayeti between now and the end of the season yep. because you draw you you know, you know draw attention to yourself. Um, but he's got away with it. He moves on with it. Uh, and let's hope it doesn't happen again. This is the Go Radio Football Show. Let's talk to Terry, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, Terry. Hello. How are you doing, Paul? Good, good, good. Yourself. You're sending yeah. j- jolly. I'm, I'm out in the snow, so it's very jolly <laughs> at the moment, yeah. Good man. Uh, have you heard the Ayeti decision? No, I've not. What's, what's happened? So it's been turned around. Um, I mean, I was just about to... We'll, we'll get you involved in this chat as well, Terry, but because I was just about to say to Craggs, I mean, does this actually start to make a little bit of a mockery of Scottish football? The fact that the referee uh, dealt with it at the time, he saw it as contact and a penalty in the Celtic-Kilmarnock game. Uh, Odson Edouard scored, obviously. Then subsequently, a Yeti is cited for, for simulation. And then as of today, as of... A short time ago, that's been turned around. It's been overturned, and he won't now face that uh, potential two-match ban. Well, 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 that's good news, I suppose. But I think the, the kind of, when you're looking at VAR down south, and that some of the decisions are incredible. So some of the decisions for the referees up here to that split second and make the decision, it's, they've got a very hard job. So, but at the end of the day, I'm happy it's been overturned. And you didn't see it as exaggeration from Ayeti? Did you think he threw himself in the in the in the contact with the goalkeeper? 
I'll be honest, at the time, I thought it looked a bit exaggerated. And then but when you see all these slow-mos and the ankle kind of going over on itself, it, again, it's, it's very hard for a referee to make that decision right there and then. And he obviously makes it. But I'd say, in my heart of hearts, I'd say it was slightly exaggerated. <laughs> Is is he a player, Terry, that that's doing it for you at the moment? Is he helping uh, Odson Edouard in the, in the role he's playing at the moment, Ayeti? Well, it's been a bad season all round, so we can't really just point fingers at one player. But no, it's probably you'd probably expected more for the guy for that price as well. But uh, I think need to judge him. I think it's more game time. He's not really had a lot of game time, I don't think. And then if you look at his goals ratio for the actual games he's played, I think it's. it's no bad ratio and what are you thinking in general terms about Celtic at the moment well in general terms it was just uh, I touched on it uh, before about a director of football uh, I don't know is Simon on the show tonight he, sadly the, the snow got him uh, oh the he, snow got him as well he snowed in he snowed in no, well, Stephen even if he thinks about a director of football there's a lot of chat about a possible director of football coming in at Celtic uh, is it something he thinks would maybe what girls have no need for it uh, me personally I don't think there is a need for it I think if you've got a proper manager in place that's good enough but it seems to be the way of the world these days like directors of football and working in tandem with managers but I just sometimes don't think it, it works out in the end uh, Football sometimes goes through phases, and I think it's yep. very like I think it's very like formations. If somebody starts to win a few games with a three-five-two, everybody changes to three-five-two. Then somebody goes back to four diamond two, and everybody goes to four diamond two. And it's weird, even, yeah. even you know, even looking at sports scientists and warm-ups, everybody adjusts to warm-ups by looking at someone else. So I think there's little fashion crazes that come through, and I just think director yep. of football, if you've got a good enough recruitment team. And you got, and you've got enough trust in your manager and the relationship between the manager and the recruitment team. I'm with you. I'm not too sure there's a there's a real big need for a director of football. Yep. Um, I yep. just think sometimes it can be an extra wage that 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 doesn't you know, needed to be spent. I think it would rather be invested in the team. Um, you know, would Neil Lennon want a director of football? Will he? You know, will he be there long term? If it's a new manager coming in, has he worked with the director of football before? So I think there's lots of questions to be asked. Um, yep. around the Celtic you know backroom staff and, and, and team moving forward because I see uh, near Beton potentially moving away at the end of the season Elhamid going back to Israel I just wonder Terry is that the start of players starting to leave Celtic and move on somewhere else and the rebuild will have to start as soon as possible Oh that's a big rebuild a very big rebuild is going to have to go in here because uh, I think the team started dismantling obviously when, when Neil came in uh, Going forward, yeah, it's going to be a lot for. I think everybody, everybody in their dog thinks there's going to be a new manager. There's got to be, uh, whether that's the summer or soon, don't know. But yes, we're going to need to start soon. But don't you think that's a bigger risk then? You know, when you look at the Champions League qualifiers next, what July the twenty first, twenty second of July. You know, time's ticking down towards that, and Celtic probably need to make a decision whether it's going to be Neil so they can start making plans or someone else coming in because Celtic can't afford to be going out of the Champions League qualifiers again well we seem to do it every other year don't we Stephen we always uh, we never learn a lesson for us uh, you always think I mean I remember harping back a bit but to, to Brendan Rodgers went to Leicester he says the reason behind him leaving at that point was to go and assess his squad and see what he needed right away obviously Leicester uh, never had Europe to worry about mm. but 
I think that's the best thing about bringing a manager in maybe sooner rather than later because they can get to assess the squad and what he needs to do right away. There's obviously a European Championship's going to be this summer as well. Uh, so there's going to be players all over Europe. It's not like you're going to be... And then you need to wait till they become available and come back from squads, etc. Yeah. All over. So it's going to be... T- it's, it's again, the rebuild needs to start now and Rangers are in a good position to be going forward themselves with a strong unit there. And if the rebuild starts now, should Neil Lennon be part of it, Terry? For me, Neil's always going to be a legend to me, but I think it's time to move on. I don't, I don't agree with any of the, oh, the flack he's been getting and whatnot, but I think it's time to start fresh. It's a pretty confused situation, isn't it, for, for the Celtic fans at the moment? Neil Lennon's f- immediate future and the, the long-term future. Uh, the, and also, you know, what's happening with the squad, the playing squad, and, and what is the structure going to... Now that Peter Lowell is going, is it going to be just a, the direct replacement that we know about in that position, or is it a whole new structure off the pitch? Well, that's, that's what I was kind of... Point well off the pitch as well. Well, obviously this guy Mackay's coming in, yeah. So we don't know what, we don't know what his ideas are going to entail there. Whether so he's got a big decision to make right away. I mean, is it him that's going to make the decision to, to either remove Neil or back him? So mm-hmm. it's a big decision for him to make when he comes in initially because I don't think Peter Lawwell's going to make that decision now between now and the summer. I think he's under contract at the SRU until the end of June. Oh yes, well you know. that's what I'm saying. So that's so, just another layer of confusion, isn't yeah, it? Really, yeah. that's Celtic into they don't they like to do these kind of things. <laughs> but I mean, Craig makes keep, a really good point. They keep everybody, they keep everybody guessing. I yeah, I mean, but then, c- and then they pull something out of left field. So if they pull out a kind of Brendan Rodgers type manager from left field, I think most people would be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Terry, Craig's makes a really good point about how quickly the European qualifiers come around on the back of the summer. So you you need to be ready to go. Um, There's no point in uh, assembling everything at that point. It's got to be done well in advance of that so that you're ready to roll out of the blocks in those qualifiers. And and if there's... No, no, you, 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 you answer that one. What I was going to say is, historically, Scottish clubs just don't come out of the traps and ready for these at all. Uh, Despite the fact it happens at the same time of year, every year. <laughs> yes, I think we can, we can point to a lot of our clubs just don't seem to get through the qualifiers. Uh, in recent years, Celtic, we were getting to the Champions League, but then it just kind of petered off a bit there. Uh, the last few years, we've just not been ready. I mean, I thought we... The teams we had in the Champions League qualifiers this year and, and even the Europa, we, we should have been able to see them off, but wasn't to be the case, so we obviously weren't ready for it. So, as, as Stephen says, yes, the qualifiers should be your main thing to be, to be aim, aiming for at the moment. And Terry, what about tomorrow night? How do you see that one going? Uh, St Mirren won at Celtic Park not so very long ago. How will it go for Celtic and Paisley? I see it been snowed off, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I don't know. We'll see how we go. As I say, obviously, the, the recent result, Celtic just went a bit of a downer. But I think we've found a wee bit of a mojo at the moment. So we'll see if we can string together a third one in a row. Good to hear from you, Terry. All, all, right, all right again, Stephen. Cheers. Cheers, all the best. Good to have you on the show, the Go Radio Football Show. And uh, you can get involved as well. 0808 17 17 700. 
The Bull Radio Football Show. High gear, low revs. You know what it makes. I'm just yeah. singing. We're getting the driving lesson there as well <laughs> during the new, uh, during the the travel. Brilliant from Chris. Love that. Yeah, you know it makes sense um, in these sort of uh, conditions. Thanks to Chris for the travel news. You get an update every 20 minutes on Glasgow's own Go Radio. This is the football show. Rob McLean and Stephen Craig, and um, we had Chris Burke with us at the top of the show talking about the arrival of Tommy Wright as the new Killy manager, and of course he's his first game in charge. Tomorrow night, more football, uh, just 24 hours away. It's incredible. Two games at six uh, tomorrow night. So they're just about exactly 24 hours away. Kamarnock play Motherwell Livingston against Hamilton, who drew, of course, with that last gasp equaliser with uh, Rangers on their home patch on Sunday. And it's an eight o'clock start in Paisley for uh, St Mirren and Celtic we'll hear from Jim Goodwin and we'll hear a little bit more from Neil Lennon as well looking ahead to that game it seems no time since we were running the rule over the weekend results in the Premiership we're looking back we're looking forward and we are talking to Rob next on the Go Radio Football Show hi Rob hi uh, hi guys how are you how are you doing I'm fine I'm putting away good good uh, what would you like to say Rob I basically just heard the news that you're talking about uh, Yeti there. He's yeah. been uh, in the Sunday. Now, I'm not putting blue glasses on here in case he stinks. So, now, Roof's been suspended for uh, for 24 hours, his hearing. Yep. Now, what's going to happen there? He's going to get a three-match ban because Rangers have put an appeal in. So, what does that mean? He's not going to be there for the Celtic game. I just feel like there's a wee, a wee thing happening here that they're trying their best to put a span on Rangers works I don't know what you think of that D- does it become a three match ban just because Rangers put an appeal in Craigs is, uh, is that right there is something within it that if they know that, that you're doing it knowing you won't win it there's some sort of wording you can get a three match ban but I'd be very surprised if it goes to three I would imagine if it if it stands up as it is it would be a two game ban Rob um, so yeah. I think that but would make him available yeah but on the tackle alone you know if that was an opposition player on a Rangers player, you'd be asking for a red card, wouldn't you? I, I, yes, well, he got booked, yes, but I don't think there was any malice in it, Stephen. Mm. I don't think there was any malice, if you know what I mean. No, no, listen, I agree with you. But the minute your foot goes as high as that and you make contact with someone's leg before you make contact with the ball... I think the referee's only left, or obviously the referee at the time wasn't, but looking back on it, I can see why it's a red card. I I absolutely agree. I don't think uh, Kimar Roof has went out of his way to try and hurt Murray Davidson. You know, he's took a heavy touch and he's went to try and protect the ball, but when you don't make contact with the ball and you make contact with halfway up someone's leg, then that then becomes serious foul play, which is a red card. And I would imagine most managers... If that happened against a player in their team, they'd be expecting the same thing. So I think malice and intent comes out of it. Yeah. And it's a serious foul play off, you know, where did your studs end up? And that's the unfortunate nature. Let's put the boot in the other foot then. Why did uh, Duffy not get cited then for his tackle on Kent? Listen, there's incidents in, in the majority of games, and I think, you know, Rangers and Celtic are probably. Uh, at a little bit of a disadvantage because they carry so much publicity they carry so much press that every single decision is um, you know looked at and scrutinised whereas I haven't saw the Devante Cole one at the weekend the the Motherwell centre forward on on Sorrow on Sorrow but by all accounts even the Motherwell fans are amazed that he's got away with it so it it, it just shows the inconsistencies 
off the uh, the judicial panel, the system, how it's set up. And all it's doing is confusing it for everyone because everyone's then talking about another team and another team and another team. But yeah. on the you know on the Kamar Roof one, if you judge it as a standalone incident and take away his personality or his characteristics, if you look at that as a tackle, you have to then say, well, I think it's a red card, and that's why you know that will stand up for me. Um, yeah. And that's not judging it against Shane Duffy's one or anyone else who's gone on because there's absolutely decisions that have been missed and decisions that are bemusing everybody. Yeah. I think I think that's the bigger that's the bigger concern. No one has any idea, and I don't even think there's a compliance officer at the minute. Well, I saw I saw Charlie Nicholas refer to it today as lucky dip. The the yeah. disciplinary system. You just really don't know what's coming next. No, and that's the biggest <laughs> frustration as players and clubs and supporters. They think, well, how come that one gets cited? That one doesn't. What about this one? There's tackles in every game that could easily be put up in front yeah. of the judicial yeah. panel, but for some reason yeah. they aren't. There's also a feeling that if it's if it's Rangers and Celtic, it's much more likely to come under the microscope than it is, say, for a Devante Cole at Motherwell. Craggs, do you, do, yeah, do, you agree, do, do you agree with that, yeah. Rob? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, a hundred percent. But yes. that was the point because they carry so much press coverage. The you know the more cameras at the games, it's usually the live game in the telly where there can be 12, 14 cameras as opposed to four at a normal standard game. So right away that puts them in the back foot a little bit more. Um, you know, whereas letting a Motherwell player off or a Kilmarnock player doesn't seem to bring up as much frustration from everybody. It's as if it's just brushed under the carpet and let's move on. Uh, and I don't think they've got a leg to stand on to say that's not the case because that's how it looks from the outside looking in. Just looking at uh, just looking at Sky Sports News on the on the screen in the studio, who are just finally catching up with us, um, having uh, broken that news earlier on that, that the Yeti uh, decision has been turned around. How are you feeling? How, how, how do you feel, Rob? About if um, obviously if Kemar Roof is suspended for a couple of games, it means that you're you're minus both he and Morellas for the Kilmarnock game. Yes. Yes, and I don't think Itton is actually up to it just now, if you ask me. I think they should put the the, uh, the young boy they got for Aberdeen in. Scott Wright. Yes, definitely. I would put him on before I'd put, before I'd put uh, up front. Definite, definite. Yeah. Give the boy a chance. Let him see what he can do. He had a good little cameo appearance, didn't he? Uh, obviously, Hamilton yeah, was forgettable in so many ways, but, but yeah. he, looked, uh, he looked pretty sharp when he came on. Yes, yes. But as for the Morelos type of thing, Stephen, what do you think Rangers should do with him come the end of the season? Do you think you should move him on and take a loss? Well, do you know what? I say it sometimes where I think that's what they have to do. They're going to have to move him on at some stage. He looks like he needs to take uh, or go and have a fresh start. But then you watch Rangers on Sunday when he's not on the team. And I think they're a different team. It's yeah. trying to replace him, trying to replace his physicality, his work rate, you know, his energy. His, you know, he hasn't got as many goals this season, but yeah. there's no doubt Rangers are a better team with him playing. So unless they can get a replacement who's as good as Alfredo Morales or better than him, then I think yeah. they'll probably have to hold on to him as long as they possibly can. But, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's the same issues, isn't it? It's the same petulance which is coming up. He looks as if he's beyond it. He looks like he's grown out of it. And then his little moments come up and you think, ah. So I think that's always going to be in his nature. If he's going to stay, you're going to have to accept that he's going to get a red card now and again. He's going to, you know, draw headlines for the wrong reasons. But I just think Stephen Gerrard has managed him so much better this year. And probably because they haven't needed his goals as much because everyone else has been chipping in with goals. Yeah. Everyone else has carried the can. Um, but there's no doubt when he's in the side they're a better side however at some stage they're going to have to as you say cut their losses and, and just let him move yeah. on 
Well, Stephen did admit it at the end of the last game in, in his press conference that he did make a mistake by not putting Jack and uh, Singley on from the start. Steve Davis. I mean, that, he just, he, he, he's just admitted, you know what I mean? Yes, he's made a mistake. He thought they could maybe go there, maybe overrun them, but they played right into the Hamilton were abs- Hamilton should have won that game about 3 or 4 nothing if it wasn't for McGregor. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and Barry Ferguson in this studio um, yes. all season long has been saying you know, how well-off Rangers were for midfield players. There were six to choose from and you could mix and match and, and still get the results kept on coming. That was, that was a bit of a, a, an eye-opener on Sunday, what Jack and, and Davis on the bench meant to Rangers, Rob. Oh, definitely. 100%. 100%, Rob. 100%, mate. Because it, 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 he knew, and that's why he had to bring them on as early. Because normally he doesn't bring them on as early as that. Mm-hmm. But he knew what the problem was. And he can get them on here now. Because we could end up, you know what I mean? But they just didn't look as if they were, they just thought it was a stroll in the park. Yeah. Which is How worrying. Rob, that's, that's worrying. When you consider you've got a huge European game next Thursday night to come yes. to. You know, just form, you, you know, for me, you just can't switch your form on and off. Form is something nope. you build up over a number of games. Rangers have got big performance in them. Absolutely, they have. You know, Zungu came in and was average. I think Etienne struggled a little bit. I still think yeah. Philip Hollander isn't where he should be, you know, for being a top-class yeah. international centre-half. Yeah. So, yeah. there's a few things. And I also think they miss Scott Arfield. I think he's yeah. a different type of midfield player. Oh, yes. He yes. runs without yes. the ball. He goes beyond the strikers. He makes selfless runes, creates space for someone else. And maybe gives them a nice balance and in the midfield absolutely, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think he's different from what's normally yeah. in there, Rob. Yeah. You know, so yeah. to try and get him back for the next two European games would be massive. Was it just oh, a wee brilliant. was it just a wee bump in the road, do you think, uh, Rob Sunday? I think so, yes, definite. But I think uh, you'll see a difference at Ibrox. They'll come out guns blazing. And when's because the when's the title gonna be won, do you reckon? I reckon it'll be won before the Celtic game. I really do. And I, 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 I think that uh, that that Celtic will still trip up. Yes, they've been doing good, but their defence isn't as good as as, as Rangers' defence because uh, I mean the, the slip ups that they, they do is just unbelievable. You know. Yeah. Well, you'll be looking forward to that uh, party time for you when that comes around. Good to have you on the show, Rob. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And the show's brilliant. Oh, thanks a lot. Nice of you to say so. The Go Radio Football Show news at six on the way, and another hour of football chat. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses, and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save. Changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy, and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. 
still haven't found Simon Donnelly who failed to make it through the snowdrifts. Uh, Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen have done. We've bravely made it. We're not sure how we're getting home, but we'll give it our best shot uh, when we're off air at seven o'clock. Good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show, bringing you the breaking news tonight. The fact that uh, that potential ban for Albion Ayeti, the Celtic striker, has been now overturned. So we've gone from uh, the penalty being given, then cited for simulation and then no let's turn it all around and there will be no action taken now against the Celtic striker and we'll find out tomorrow um, about Kemar Roof and that incident involving Murray Davidson in the Rangers St Johnston game Uh, he facing a potential punishment as well and if he's banned he and Alfredo Morelos would miss the Rangers game against Kilmarnock on Saturday we're looking back of course on weekend wins for Celtic and Hibs and St Johnston and Dundee United and St Mirren and that draw last gasp equaliser for Hamilton against Rangers on Sunday and we're looking forward of course 24 hours away from Kilmarnock against Motherwell uh, tomorrow night Tommy Wright's first game in charge Livingston against Hamilton is a 6 o'clock start as well and it's an 8 o'clock kickoff for St Mirren and Celtic and talking about Kilmarnock let's talk to the former Kilmarnock manager Alex Dyer Alex good to hear from you yeah good to talk to you too Rob how are, okay how are you how, how have you been spending your time I'm just back at home with the family um, got back last Tuesday and just just enjoying time with the family again so um, I'm glad to be back in London but obviously missing football yeah, it must take a while to adjust when it's been full on for so long and then suddenly nothing. Yeah, it is, it's, it's strange. It takes a little while to get used to it, but it's all about getting your head around it. You know, you know what's happened and you just got to adapt and hopefully wait again to, to another, chance, another chance comes along. I mean, it's incredible to think. Uh, it feels like a for me. It feels like a little while ago, um, and I'm surprised when I when I see that it's just the weekend before last one. It's as recent as that. Uh, the game and the game against St Johnston at Rugby Park, where you were two goals up and and then lost three two. And then tell tell me what happened on the, on the back of the game. How mu- how much was it your decision to go, and how much was it Billy Bowie's decision that time was up? Um. What was we said mutual, but it's more the fact that, you know, it come to a head. You know, I, I got called in afterwards and uh, they asked me, they said to me, do you know what I mean? They're going to make a change. Um, and that's just the way it went. So, you know, I never, I never argued about it. It was just, you know, time was called and, um, and that was it. And then I just obviously went on my way. <laughs> But presumably, presumably you didn't agree with with the decision, though, Alex, did you? Of course not. Of course not. Um, but they made up their mind. A good good bunch, like I've always said, a good people there. Um, obviously, we had lost the game three two, being two 0 up, and um, I was just pulled. I spoke to James Barrow afterwards and said that they were going to make a change, and that was it. Um, it was simple, simple as that. It was. It was. There was no arguments. There was no me putting up any resistance or anything. I thanked them for the opportunity to manage their club. Um, thanked them for the the three years, three and a bit years I had at the football club because it was it was good times. Um, we were just a bit unlucky this season, 
um, with again a little bit of injury and uh, and bad fortune. But overall, my time in Kilmarnock was excellent. Yeah, one way or not, one way or another, it had been a a pretty lengthy stay at Kilmarnock. Firstly, as assistant to to Stevie Clark, then you did a little spell as caretaker before you uh, became manager uh, in your own right. Um, and presumably, Alex, you you still believed even after that. Uh, turnaround against St Johnston, you believed that you could put things right for Kilmarnock? Yeah, definitely. I believe there's enough good players there and uh, enough quality there to stay in, in stay in that league. Definitely. Um, but obviously, my time had, had run out and, I, and, you know, it's time to go. But I still believe that there's enough there to keep whoever takes... Like, obviously, I know it's Tommy now because I spoke to Tommy. And he knows that they're a good bunch. Um, and um, I wish him all the best because he's a good man, he's a good manager. Um, and I spoke to him on Sunday. And um, we had a good little chat and then I wished him all the best. And and that's just the way it was. Alex, Stephen Cragen here. I, um, Hello, Steve. How are you doing? We, we had Chris Burke on the show a little bit earlier on and he spoke about you in glowing terms, which is always nice to hear. And Thank you. He spoke about the the COVID issues potentially, you know, being a setback throughout the season of losing players and having games called off and it just, it just felt as if things never really got going since then. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Um, it was, it was one of those seasons, but it was one of those seasons for every manager. We all know it was going to be difficult out there. Um, but for us in Kilmarnock, it was, it was especially difficult because I thought um, at certain times during the season, certain things happened. We didn't have centre-halves at times and we lost players through COVID um, injuries you know so um, it came to a head with that game um, but like I said it's not just about that game we didn't win enough games I, I understand that you know and we, and we didn't draw enough we'd either win or we'd lose we'd draw the few, few more games then we'd be alright but I think we drawed about two or three games when other teams were drawn maybe five or six um, but I've no, I've no excuses. It's it's what's happened. It was honestly, it was a good time for me. I, I enjoy uh, managing. I'd love to do it again if the opportunity came about. Um, I don't feel tired. I don't feel I need a rest. If I could work tomorrow, I would. Um, but um, there's like I said, there's good players there and there's good people down there, and um, Chris Burke's one of them. Yeah, he, he, say, he says that uh, you know he'll be in touch with you and he, and he will come to you for advice. Because, you know, he obviously values um, what you've done for him greatly in your time there. Yeah, because um, I know he was at that age now where you know I tried to look after him. You know, what I mean, I, it wasn't every day that I said to him that he should train because he, when we first came back, he'd always wanted to train and train. And I said to him, "Look, you're thirty six, thirty seven. You know, I need you sharp and I need you ready. So if you need time off, you know, just take it. Come and see me and we arrange it the days that you can have off and, and maybe just stay in the gym and just tick over, have time, more time with your family. Um, and it's just managing him because he's always wanted to, to be full throttle. And I just said, look, just take your time. You know, you've got enough experience. Look after your body. And which we've done that. And he, he was having a great season. Um and that's just by man managing the right way. I mean, he's an amazing example for someone of 
of 37 but was was age of the squad an issue for you something that you knew you were going to have to deal with sooner rather than later to get to get that age average down I think so I think you know we could if we had got through this season I think obviously next season would have been a bit different there was still enough in their legs um the senior players to go again this season and see it through um and the next season we would have adjusted it for that but you know it, it wasn't to be um and we're just you know I wish them all the best like I said because they're a, they're a fo- good football club with good people behind it and there's good players there and I hope Tommy does a good job and hope that first of all they stay in this division and you, and you think he's the, the right man to, to take over from you Alex? Definitely Tommy's a good man and Tommy's been around and he's done it um, so it's a good appointment for the football club and I, I hope he goes on and, and do a good job Is this a, is this a blow to your confidence? Nah, never never Look, I've been in the game a long time as we all know and uh, now I've been um, been around it when I've been a number two and, and, and managers have got sacked and I've been a number two and, I, and you go with them you know I understand the way football is you need to win enough games to stay in the job but you know, I can honestly say that the, the lads were still there behind us. Uh, I never lost the changing room once. It was, you know, I'd go in there and it was, you know, I'd pick them up and they'd pick me up. And it was a it was a good environment for them to come in and train. And that's what we created. Um, so, no, I have no qualms of doing it again. If I had a chance to do it tomorrow, I would do Steve Clark has been a big influence on your managerial career. I imagine have you spoke to Steve over the over the past yeah, week or so? I spoke to him today. He rang me up this morning. We had a little chat. Um, he went to see that I was all right, and I and you know we had a chat about certain things. And he, he he's always been brilliant with me. Um, he obviously he brought me up up to Scotland, and we had two good years under him. And then obviously Alessio came in, and um, and then. That one didn't last so long, and then obviously I took over from there. But um, the gaffer's been brilliant, and he always will be, you know. Um, and he, he calls me, and I always to call him, and I can get advice from him. So um, it, it was a good partnership, and, he, and he's a good friend. Yeah, because there's a big competition on this summer. I don't know if you recognise that. Scotland and England will go <laughs> head to head in the Euros. I'm sure that would be something. Definitely. I mean, that would certainly be nice to get back involved for that, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely it would be, you know, but I understand that he has his, his squad and he's, he's a staff, staff in there now. Um, but he knows I'm always here and if he needs help or if he wants me there, then I, I, I'll run. Because um, it is good working under him and it's good working for the national team. So so is that, is he, is the backroom staff full at the moment or is might he need an extra body for the for the European Championships in that coaching setup, Alex? Could there be a, a possible role for you there? I don't know. I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, I don't really, I've not really spoken about that with him. You know, I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, if he needs me, then he knows, he knows I'm available um, and he knows I'd jump at the chance, but obviously there's other people in that role. He doesn't need too many. He's got two assistants there who, and a good backroom support team. So, you know, but if he knows that he ever needs me, he knows I'm here. Would you come back to Scottish club football again? 100%. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm always available. I want to I wanna manage again. 
I want to I want to coach again, whether it's a, to manage and be number one or whether it's to be an assistant. I will do that, whether it's in Scotland or or down south um, in England. I, I I'll jump at the chance. You know, I'll come back tomorrow if I could. Yeah. Because I like coaching and I like and I and this experience is not it's not made me bitter or in any way. It doesn't make me frightened over managing again. I like to feel that I've done a decent job. Um it would have been nice to get more wins under my under my belt, but it weren't to be. But experience wise I've learned a lot. Um and it doesn't frighten me to do it again. Do do you feel as if you helped to champion the cause of black managers? Um, I hope so. I hope I'm. I'm hope I'm out there in the front saying, you know, it can be done. Um, do the best you can. You know, work hard, like I've always said, and um, hopefully people will give you the opportunity. You know, you must go and do the. You know, we must all go and do our badges, badges, and and do the right things and put ourselves in position so um, whoever's in charge don't say to us that you're not qualified to do it. And if they want to not give you the job because of your race, like I've always said, then you can't change that. You want to change it, but you can't because you can't change what's in people's hearts and how they feel. If they don't want to give you that job, they're not going to do that. You know. But I, I feel that if you, if you work hard and do the best you can, that's all you can do. Is progress being made, Alex, in that regard? Um, good question. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, I I was lucky enough to get the get the job at Kilmarnock because I think there's good people there at Kilmarnock who gave me the opportunity, and because they see what I could do um, behind the scenes because I was already at the football club. Um, you know, I just like to I'd like to think that and and knowing that knowing Billy and whoever went up for that job, black or white, he would he would give him the job on that merit because I know the gentleman and the board there. Um, I can't say I know other chairmen and and people head at other clubs would do the same. Um, but I'd like to think they would. You know, um, like I said, it's all about doing the right things, but you can't change, like I said, you're not going to change. People always talk about education and, and changing people, but you ain't going to change. If someone don't feel that way, they're not going to do it. They're not going to give you the opportunity. And for us to talk about it, it... it it's wrong because I always feel look we're all one, yeah. And um, we we're we're talking about like people say, well, don't you think it's great that you've got an opportunity? Why? I'm a human being. I'm 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 a black man, but I'm a human being. We're all the same. We shouldn't be saying, oh yeah, you think it's great for me to have an opportunity, like I'm less valued than a white person. It's it's not right. That's the conversation we should be having, but but we know the reality, Alex, don't we? Of course we do. We know, and like I said, life is not fair. You want to put yourself in a position, like I always say, to give yourself the best opportunity in life. And if someone who looks you in the eye and not going to give you the job because, you know, because, you, because of your colour, then what can you do? You ain't going to change that person. Never. Were you aware of how popular you were in Scottish football? I think, I mean, I think I'm right in saying that, Craig. Across yeah. the clubs, no matter who people supported, um, people just loved your your attitude. The fact that you 
you weren't trying to be something you weren't. You just told it like it was. I think I think that was it. I think you were. I think you were really refreshing for for Scottish football because of the way you came across. Um, fact is the way I've been brought up, the way I know uh, when my family brought me up, the way I live my life is is trying to be honest. You know, I've, I've never tried to change for anyone. Um, I just feel. Do you know what I mean? You should be able to get up every morning, have a smile on your face, go to work. If you've got the opportunity to go to work and do the best you can. You know, I always use, I always talk about working hard and I think someone said to me, you always say about working hard, working hard. And I always think that's that's part of it. Do you know what I mean? You should be able to come get up in the morning, know that you're going to do a good day's work and go home at the end of the day knowing that you've done the best you can. So right about now, when I go home, I think I've done the best I can at Kilmarnock. I loved every minute of it. And I can go to bed at night and, and go to sleep peacefully because I don't believe that I've cheated anyone. You know, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I think what was was impressive, Rob, you're talking about is the fact that win, lose or draw, never changed. You know, you had an honest assessment of yeah. the game and that's how it was. And, you know, we've watched enough managers over the years changes they've gone on you know how they're high and they're low and they're in between and yeah. their disappointment and you know the just their whole their whole body language and everything changes but you know no matter when you spoke Alex you just told her how it was you mm. didn't dance around to big issues if you felt as if your team didn't play well enough you said it if you felt as if your team deserved to win you also said it and I think that's what people liked was the honest assessment rather than just giving out cliches and trying to appease yeah. everybody you said straight down the line this is what happened yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and an ability as well, not not to go off the deep end. You know, whether it was a, a good day or a bad day, you kind of stayed somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, look, a few weeks ago we won three and a, we got we had three wins out of four, and everyone was saying, "Looks like you turned a corner." And I said to her, "The most important thing is like we can take these games on board, and we've done well, but it can change quickly." And four games later, I was sacked, yeah. <laughs> and that was just yeah. <laughs> and that's life. You know what I mean? Because I know it can change. The same way you win three, the same way you can lose three. Scottish Premier League's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard league. You know, it's an honest league. Um, everyone works hard. All the managers work hard. Everyone wants to beat one another. Um, and there's good, good people in every football club. And um, every player is trying to work hard and win for their football club. And that's what it's about. And some days you win, and some days you can't. And um, you know, and my time has run its course and hopefully someone will, will like what I say and do and, and hopefully one day they'll give me the chance to, to manage again. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope it's a matter of time and uh, we'd certainly welcome you back to Scottish football you. Uh, anytime you fancy. But the most important thing is that you you get back into football as soon as possible. Really good to, okay. to hear Thank from you, you Alex, and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on and... Thank you. That's the former Kilmarnock manager Alex Dyer on the Goat Radio Football Show. And if you want to join the conversation, of course, 0808 17 17 700. The Goal Radio Football Show. Let's go! 
Yeah, it's been a busy little show. We're almost through 90 minutes already. The Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday. Rob McLean and Stephen Cregan and an array of guests on the phones, your calls, and of course Chris Burke, early doors, uh, talking about Tommy Wright, the new Kilmarnock manager. And then we spoke uh, just uh, before the break there, just after the six o'clock news, to the last uh, Kilmarnock manager. Uh, lovely to hear uh, Alex Dyer. And uh, yeah, we just hope he gets back in a job and I'm sure he will pretty soon listen just so refreshing that he um, he just loves the game he talks about it passionately you know Chris Burke spoke very highly of him glowing terms about his personality about uh, uh, being a players manager and I think I've worked under enough managers to realise how important it is to have a relationship with your manager you know, particularly as a senior player and there's no doubt that you know when Chris Burke speaks like that then it tells you the high esteem he holds him yeah, and uh, we did speak to, to Alex Dyer about a job he thought had come, he had coming to him at Kilmarnock, which was reducing the age average of the squad. And that's something that uh, Tommy Wright, obviously, is going to be turning his attention to. Um, and I think he was saying today in some of his comments ahead of the game tomorrow night that, uh, that he did two rebuilds at St Johnston. And the last one, he took the age average of the Perth team down from 31 to 23-24. That, yeah. that takes a bit of doing, doesn't it? It does, and... And people tend to forget that he ended up with a top six finish last season as well. You know, he left in the summer on points per game. They ended up in the top six. So there's no doubt that Tommy's record of winning St. Johnson's first major trophy, uh, finishing in the top six, getting European football and having to rebuild. And it must be difficult for a club like St. Johnson because I don't think they carry a lot of press. And some people at times underestimate the job that Tommy done up in Perth and the consistent levels of, of pushing the top half of the table. Um, certainly when he lost a few games everybody started speaking about it people were surprised but he always managed to turn it around I think he said that job had just naturally run its course he wanted a little bit of time off he's refreshed and uh, and ready to get back in and I've no doubt he'll appreciate the opportunity that Kilmarnock have given So it's Kilmarnock against Motherwell tomorrow night it is Livingston against Hamilton both those kick off at 6 and then at 8 o'clock it's St Mirren against Celtic what about uh, injuries for Celtic ahead of that one? Well, no, no real fresh injury worries. Sorrow had a prang in his car this morning due to the adverse weather conditions, so we're just checking on him, making sure he's already missed a large part of the session. Jamesy Forrest is back in training, but obviously tomorrow night's too soon for him. So that's a welcome boost back to the squad as well. Sorry, yeah, Ryan is back in the squad as well, yeah. It's an unusual one to pop up in the team news, that one, the injury news, isn't it? Yeah. A car crash, um, obviously, in the weather yeah. conditions this morning. Uh, Ismail Asoro had a bit of a problem and uh, missed most of training, but thankfully nothing serious but uh, big news for the Celtic fans really encouraging news for the Celtic fans that James Forrest won't play tomorrow night but it sounds like could feature at the weekend well it depends because he's been out a long time Rob you know as, as much as he's back in training with the squad uh, it, it depends how long he's been back for because you know as you get a little bit older recovery sometimes from injury can take a little bit longer uh, and it, you know the last thing Neil Lennon wants to do is put him back in too early and something to go again because you know what's his injury been I can't remember what James Forrest has it been has it been an ankle possibly was it foot or ankle yeah. or it was certainly something yeah <laughs> something pretty so the thing is radical if you rush somebody back when they potentially have hamstrings and thighs can go because they're not used to the tempo and the intensity of games so Neil will have to manage him you know ever so well because there's no doubt they've missed him and I think that they've missed that ability to change their shape and go with out-and-out wingers because he's the one out-and-out winger they have. I know Mikey Johnson's there, hasn't got a lot of game time. He's been in and out with injury as well. El Yunusi wants to play a little bit narrow on the left-hand side and I think they've missed that out-ball of James Forrest 
down the right hand side so uh, as much as he's back in training I genuinely think they have to manage him and be careful because the last thing they would want is him sitting out again, and of course, then he will have his eye on the Euros in the summer. Yeah, so he will make sh- you know he'll want to make sure that he's fit and ready to go there. I think that was a big fail for the Go Radio Football Show medical team there, failing to come up with uh, what exactly the problem was with James Forrest. But there's a problem uh, forthcoming for Ryan Christie, and that's getting in the team, isn't it? Uh, with with yeah. David Turnbull doing doing what he's doing at the moment. Well, that's what Neil Lennon wants. You know, there's no doubt about it. If you're going to be uh, a club, a progressive club who want to move forward. You want competition for places. Uh, I, like a lot of people, was quite surprised it took David Turnbull so long to get into the side because I know what he's like as an individual. I know how good he is with the ball. I know how creative he can be. But I think now he's getting the run on the team. He's starting to show people what he's all about. So that's up to Ryan Christie to go and push him out. You know, he can be flexible. He can play off the left. He can play off the right. He's even played as a centre forward. So I would have no doubt that there's enough room in the Celtic team for Ryan Christie and for David Turnbull, which is ominous for the rest of the, the Scottish Premiership. Producer James has come to the rescue uh, out for about four months and it was an ankle injury. And you it was something towards yeah. the bottom of his well, leg. Right. That was about as specific I as, I, as I was going to get on it. But uh, James Forrest, uh, not too far away from being back in the team and how badly has he been missed. Uh, so Neil Lennon having his media conference today, updating us on uh, injuries, uh, telling us about the, the card incident involving Ismaila Soro and also revealing that he's been uh, checking in on some of his as players just checking they're okay well yeah I think I've gone on record as you know saying that you know I've actually been to a couple of players homes just to check on them and make sure they're, they're okay you know going through a difficult period I think the level of criticism is something I haven't experienced before either you know if it's a shock to me then you know it must be so difficult for them to comprehend you know not having been here before so yeah I've spoken to a few of them individually and um, you know they all seem in, in decent spirits at the minute Let's talk to Mick, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, Mick. Hello, Mick. We don't seem to have um, Mick. Nope, we will uh, come back to it. But that's interesting, isn't it? Neil Lennon, who knows all about the effect that mm. uh, ne- negative publicity can have and, well, the, 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 the attacks he's come under yeah. um, over over the years and very conscious that his players could be suffering. Well, I think when you look through the Celtic squad, Rob, a lot of them have known nothing but success since they joined the football club. You know, the that run of trophies, success of trophies, 12 trophies in a row, that everything was good, everything was rosy. They hadn't suffered an awful lot of adversity. Of course, they had games in Europe where they went out of the Champions League or they lost heavily in certain games, but they always bounced back and won trophies. So this is the first time for a lot of them they've suffered a little setback in their Celtic career. And I think it's very good man management from Neil Lennon. I wouldn't expect anything else. No, uh, you know he, he's been frustrated at times, and he's hung. Up, you know he's had a go at the players. He's backed his players. He's done everything with them. But I think the one thing that always remains, he's got a human side to him yeah. where he wants to go and look after his players. So I'm yeah, not surprised. Big style, yeah. Mick, how are you? Hi, Rob. Hi, Stephen. How's it going? Uh, yeah, yeah, very well. How's you? Ah, uh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Good man. Um, yeah, just just obviously a bit about Celtic at, uh, at the moment. Um, it's quite quite weird um, I just think they're, they're kind of sleepwalking into the new season um, I think the rest I mean these games are like glorified friendlies just now the way they're being treated um, and I just don't know what's going on I think the, the lack of communication um, yeah. is, is absolute madness yeah, I don't know if you heard us speaking about this earlier on about just the importance of, for instance, being ready for the the European qualifiers, which are pretty, which are pretty much at the end of the summer, so not far away, and 
Um, there's, it feels like, and it will feel like to you, I guess, Mick, that there's a lot to be done between now and then. Yeah, absolutely, Robin. I think that you know January was was a big month where we could have had potentially got someone new in, um, and we could have started building for the summer. Um, because we've, you know, in recent years, the qualifiers have been an absolute disaster. You know, the business we've done, we've done it late, and when we have done it, it's been terrible. Now, I've, yeah. I've, I've called a few times. And I've always kind of mentioned Nicky Hammond. I think I've got a bit of an agenda, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's, he's um, yeah, we've we've had time where we could have maybe got people in and started getting a plan in place for for the summer um, because again the qualifiers will be here before we know it um, and yeah there's just there's, there's, as I said I mean they said there's going to be a review there um, and there's, we've not heard nothing so there's a lot of players that we don't know who's going to be going you know we've got like Encham, Edward, Ayer, Christy, Rogic I mean the list goes on even yeah. the a lot of the kind of youth players are potentially leaving us as well so it's, it's quite worrying um, um, there doesn't seem to be a plan in place and if there is I don't think there's many Celtic fans that know about it. Does a head of recruitment, Crags, get more chances than a manager? Well, he shouldn't. Because ultimately the manager's judged with the players he's got. Players are judged in their performances on the pitch. And if the players aren't good enough or aren't up to the standard of a club like Celtic, then you have to look and think, who's recruiting? You know, you'd have to go through the process. You'd have to go through it with a fine comb to think, you know, has there been enough quality brought to the club because I know Peter Lawwell has mentioned over the last, I think it's the last three transfer windows and maybe possibly four, there's been 30 million plus spent on players yet you look at value for money and there's very few come out with flying colours to think, you know, I've been uh, an impressive sign and I've made a difference when you go as far back as Bolongoli to Klamala to Ayeti to Barkas to Sheehan Duffy David Turnbull has been one I think Sorrow will be one long term as well but with spending over £30 million and getting two players out of it, certainly isn't anywhere near enough. And that doesn't take into consideration of Christopher Julian, you know, who has done very well. That's another £7 million on top. So there's no doubt they've invested. But I think Mick is right. It's the timing of the investments, you know, and, and, and how late they've left it. And then they haven't come to fruition. So there's no doubt that when that's the case, then everything has to be scrutinised. Everybody has to be accountable for their role within the football club. And Nicky Hammond shouldn't be missed out. Absolutely not. I heard Craig Gordon speaking recently. I don't know if you saw him on the telly, Mick, where he was saying that this has it has its roots um, maybe a couple of years back for Celtic. Um, a complacent. He was hinting at a, a complacency setting in and bad decisions being made um, over a period of of years uh, leading up, I guess, to where Celtic are now. Yeah, I, I, I did see it, Robin. I don't. I mean, Craig Gordon. We should have kept him for a start, yeah. and I don't. I think he he might be a little bit bitter about how how he left. I'm not too sure, but I think he's obviously he was on the inside, so he'll know kind of what's going on behind the scenes. And we've, I mean, we've just been we've been really complacent over the last couple of years, as you've said. And and Stephen had mentioned that yeah, well, while we have spent a lot of money, I mean, where's it went? I mean, look at look at Rangers midfield for example last season. I mean, they've they've barely spent a penny. Um, and they've got they've got loans, they've got free signings in, they've got Bosman or pre contract signings in, and they've their midfield's unreal. Whereas ours, I mean, we're spending three, four, five million on players that that are just not doing that at all. So, um, I think for, there's we've been complacent for far too long. So I thought maybe this um, after what's happened this season, I thought January would have been a good way to kind of kickstart going ahead and moving forward. But it's just not happening. So it's the the summer's going to be it's massive. How how important the summer's going to be, and we're going to have to do it quick. Who who would you keep? Um, who would you keep, Mick? Who would you, who would you build the team around for next season? Well, mate, it's, 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 Robert, it's dead. for me, it's, it's dead easy. I mean, Turnbull Turnbull was. He, I think if if we can keep all them, I mean, he could be massive at Celtic for the next five years plus, maybe maybe longer than that. And I would put him in 
for the Scotland squad as well. I mean, I think he is that good. So him, Sorrow, and obviously McGregor has been one of Celtic's best players for years. So these are the type of people that you want to build the team around. But it's again, there's just so much uncertainty about other players that we don't know do they want to be there um, or do they not want to be there because I think that's what's possibly caused all the problems this season. Players not wanting to be there for the yeah. start and then that creates a bit of an atmosphere in the dressing room or whatever and it's just a negative effect from there. So I think those three guys that I mentioned, they're, they're crucial. So keep a hold of them and just build the team around them if we can. You see, Callum McGregor's an interesting one for me because if Ryan Christie goes and Edward goes and Christopher Iyer goes and Scott Brown retires and all the loans go back, Callum McGregor at 27 years of age is in the pinnacle of his career. You know, he should be at his optimum. And if he's looking around and thinking all these players are going, we're having a rebuild. It could take a couple of years before we get back to where we want to get to. Might he be looking and the likes of Stuart Armstrong and John McGinn and Scott McTominay playing in the English Premier League and thinking, I wouldn't mind a bit of that. Would that be a concern for you, Mick? I think I think so, yeah. And I mean, I thought, I, mean, I think Leicester were in for him before yeah. as well. And I mean, all the players you've just mentioned, I mean, Carl McGregor is as good as, if not better than all of them, I would yep. say. I mean, it's, he's not been tested in the Premier League the way McGinn has, but I mean, just watching for, you know, the, the last X amount of years with Celtic, he's been, he's been outstanding. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've no doubt that he could go and do it down south. So, hopefully, hopefully he stays. I think, I mean, he is a Celtic fan, but I mean, look at Tierney. He was a Celtic fan and, and he left. So, um, I think if he, if he did go, that would be a disaster. But one thing that would probably keep him there is knowing that he will be he should be the captain going forward. Yeah. Like obviously, he is kind of when Brown's not there, but if he's the permanent captain and maybe given a new contract, that could keep him. Mick, before you go, I'm going to get your thoughts on on tomorrow's game, but here's the gaffer uh, on St Mirren first. The performance against St Mirren just didn't seem to have that zip about us at all and we certainly lacked concentration at times as well. So, obviously, the game's come around again quickly, so we're looking for, obviously, you know, a far better performance what we've got at Celtic Park and, you know, build on the two, you know, previously good performances of late. He's referring, obviously, back to St Mirren winning at Celtic Park. What, what are you thinking about tomorrow night? Maybe in terms of how you opened up the conversation, you're not really too bothered about it. Um, yeah. How do you um, feel? It's, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky one because St are going well. Um, and I, I think, I mean, we were just absolutely awful um, against them at home. But I think, you know, stick to this team that he's played against Motherwell and Kelly away. And I think we should have more than enough to beat them. But... Again, it's I, I don't know. The thing that's worrying me is the fact that we could we could have a really good run of form going into the to finish the season. It won't be enough to catch Rangers, but it gives Lennon the possibility of staying in the job next season. Now, that's, and the thought of that kind of scares me. So, I think we will win, but um, yeah, we'll need to wait and see. It's interesting, isn't it? And it just uh, gives away that feeling that a lot of Celtic fans have at the moment of that uncertainty uh, about what is to come Um, when will it become clear Uh, we'll get back to you on that one Mick thank you for getting in touch and uh, look after yourself thanks guys take care that's uh, Mick a very worried Celtic fan no doubt about that the Bull Radio Football Show you go into this show thinking, bags of time, we've got a couple of hours to, to get everything in. Uh, and then f- suddenly, 15 minutes to go, and you're thinking, we haven't done this, we haven't done that. It's quite a few things we haven't mentioned. So let's try and uh, squeeze a few things in um, before we go, including uh, this story, um, which is 
not surprising, but still a little bit depressing. And uh, the current suspension of the lower leagues and women's football in Scotland will be reassessed on the 1st of March. All play below championship level, uh, including Scottish Cup ties, um, has been uh, will has been. Uh, ceased since the 12th of January uh, because of the, the rising number of coronavirus cases. Uh, clubs had been hopeful of a return to action uh, this month after presenting a plan involving a regular player testing. However, the Scottish Government will not commit to return dates until the prevalence of the virus falls further, mm. Crags. And, and while uh, that is not exactly surprise of the season or even surprise of the day, um, it's just pretty disappointing, isn't it, that, that it's the 1st of March before this is even reassessed. Yeah, and I think there has to be major concerns of how the leagues are going to finish because I think Clyde in League One have only played eight games scheduled to p- play potentially 27. The average in League Two is nine games played. I think Stranor have played 10, someone else has played 10, but the majority of round eight or nine. So is it then going to be a shortened season again? Will it be cut down to 18 games where they play each other twice as opposed to three times? If that can't be fulfilled, what about promotions? What about relegations? Is it a case of maybe now starting to look reconstruction again you know <laughs> and I know we've been there yeah. before but you know there's clubs have invested a lot of money in playing staff and mm. paying players I know somewhere in furlough there's full time clubs in League 1 and, and there's a full time club in League 2 with Queen's Park who've invested big money so they want to get up the leagues as quickly as possible they want to get back yep. up to the higher echelons of, of the league so um, is it a case of maybe then just bringing up the Lowland League champions from last year the Highland League champions making it a 12, 10, 10, 12 I don't know Rob yeah. but there has to be something in place we can't just get until May and think well what now no You'd like to think there's something moving in the background. It's Scottish football, though, before we're planning underway, I would imagine, even as we speak. What about the Scottish Cup as well? I mean, there must be a big question mark hanging over that. There will be, because when these teams come back, yes, it's being revisited at the start of March, but these clubs will need at least, what, two and a half, three weeks, Rob, to try and get themselves fit. So they might not be playing till the end of March. Then you've got Scottish Cup ties, you've got all the outstanding league games to try and play. So I would imagine the Scottish FA, with a showpiece event, would want the Scottish Cup to go ahead. Could it potentially lead into next season like it did last season? Possibly. But where they're going to fit the games and how they're going to play them, again, no idea. But you'd like to think something... Uh, has been spoken about because they've got TV deals with Premier Sports and with the BBC to cover it so they won't want to lose out in that money That's true good point um, one I'm thinking about as well to be perfectly honest with you Kilmarnock against Motherwell we've spoken about a fair bit we'll talk in a minute about Livingston and Hamilton St Mirren against Celtic of course is 8 o'clock tomorrow night and of course Jim Goodwin's Paisley team have already beaten both Celtic and Rangers When you beat Celtic or Rangers it very often is the case that they have Play the you know below par, and I think when we beat Rangers here in the quarterfinal of the the League Cup, you know there's no getting away from it that it wasn't Rangers' strongest eleven. You know they did make two or three changes, which in my opinion weakened the team. There's no you know, that's not being disrespectful to the guys we played against, but you know we still had to play to a really decent level to get the result, and it's the exact same against Celtic. Celtic played the strongest eleven against us at Parkhead, and. You know, I don't think Celtic had a, a particular off day. I think the way that my players went about it, the way that they got in their faces and pressed them and, you know, stuck to the game plan, I think that was the reason we won on that day. I'm just wondering how good a manager Jim Goodwin might go on to become. I think he's 39 at the moment, doing great things on a on a 
pretty minimal budget uh, at St Mirren. Um, he's already beaten Celtic and Rangers. Celtic will go there with a little bit of trepidation tomorrow night. And there's loads of incentive for St Mirren as they look up that league table. Couple of yeah. games in hand on Livingston, and were they to to win those games in hand, they can get pretty close. And how much have we been raving about Livingston? Listen, Jim's done a terrific job. There's no doubt about it. And when you consider when he came in last year. He was so late in June, Rob, that he had missed most of the transfer window, that he was having to deal with players that were left. Probably weren't his players or his first choice players to bring to the club. So he's had a full summer of recruitment and he's added as he's went on, he's added pace, he's added a bit more creativity in the final third. He's continually added strikers looking for goals. So he's always been searching for the answers. And even that performance at Celtic, what, 10 days ago, it was brave. He matched Celtic up midfield. He went four midfield players against four midfield players. He played Dylan Conley in the right. He played Dermis in the left. He really had an attack and go at them. He wasn't just going to hope not uh, to lose too many goals. He wanted to go and win the game. And his players were brave in possession. It was brave management. And they thoroughly deserved a victory on to on, on that day but he's now looking and thinking he'll be expecting a backlash tomorrow night no doubt about it he'll know that Neil Lennon is frustrated the Celtic players will be frustrated they'll want to make a mark in St Mirren tomorrow night but I think they're more than capable of standing up for themselves that's for sure Livingston against Hamilton will Livingston bounce back from their first defeat in 15 or will Aki's uh, build on what they did at the weekend uh, an amazing end to that match against Rangers and uh, there was no sense was there of Aki's parking the bus against the champions in waiting we don't set up to defend sometimes in games we're forced back because of the quality of the opposition but on Sunday you know everybody done their job everybody played to the to their max, which I said would ha- would have to happen, uh, and we force Rangers into mistakes, and you know we're going to have to go and do that for now at the end of the season, and it's something we will do or something we will attempt to do. You know that's one thing we won't be sitting back; uh, we'll be going and having a go. That's Brian Rice. Um, what a great manager! He's great to listen to as well, and his team did him proud Sunday. Well. I watched the game last Wednesday against Ross County and the contrast from Wednesday night to Sunday was phenomenal. But that's been the inconsistencies that have been biting them all season long. So as much as they've done well on Sunday, you know, you get over that as quickly as you can. You've got to put it to the side, but you've got to challenge your players to go and replicate that again. I thought the tactics were right, the energy in the team, the setup of of how they went about their business and their willingness to go and chase down Harry, press and, and, and be creative. But that has to come to the fore tomorrow night. They can't just keep playing well one game and losing the next. They've got to try and put some results together. If they win tomorrow night at Livingston, they go off the bottom of the table. So that has to be a real motivational factor for Brown and his players. It was bottom against top on Sunday. It certainly didn't look like it, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Maybe Rangers at their worst uh, this season, Craigs? Yeah, and I think so because they looked a little bit laboured. Their play was slow. Uh, I felt as if on Sunday, it's maybe been coming for a while, but there was a lack of risk in their play and what I mean by that is is the players in the final third rather than just playing safe passes go and get at your opponent it, it, it's the one area of the pitch where Rangers were very good up until Christmas you know they got at teams they took men on I see Ryan Kent jumping about and dancing by a couple of players and then just keeping the ball simple go and make something happen in the final third I think that's where they've lost their edge I think it's only twice in the last seven games have they scored more than a single goal and that tells you where they're lacking a little bit that was the one thing Stephen Gerrard asked for over the summer was uh, more penetration in the final third, more creativity, more goals. He got it for a spell, but you then have to go and earn it again. We've got a huge European game coming up next Thursday. There are two European games against Royal Antwerp, who are second in the Belgian league. Uh, Standard Leisure, sixth in the table, so it tells you how how well that um, 
Antwerp have done. So they're on a really good run. I think one defeat in seven. So Rangers will have to get back to their best or close to their best if they're going to get through that last 32 tie. They're more than capable of doing it. Yeah, but, but that's, just, that's a few levels to climb up yeah. from where they were Sunday. Well, it is, and they've only one game to do it. They've only got one game against Kilmarnock, and that'll be worrying for Steven Gerrard. Uh, he spoke about making the changes. You know, I think they certainly, when Morelos is not playing, they're not the same team. When Steven Davis is not playing and Ryan Jack's not playing and Scott Arfield's not playing, I think they're a different team when those guys are in the side. But then it's up to the squad players. When, when they come in, they have to go and deliver. But they will certainly have to up the performance, no doubt about it. The other side of the coin, though, on Sunday, of course, was that Rangers were poor, but they very they were within seconds of winning, far less drawing, and, and the unbeaten run goes on. But sometimes winning a game like that can lull them into a false sense of security. I'm not saying Stephen Gerrard will be delighted with the draw, but it hits home that they have to be better than what they were. That they were lazy in possession. You know, how many times did they pass the ball to the park? How many times did you just needlessly pass the ball to the opposition? That's not been like Rangers at all. And I agree they've set the bar so high for themselves, but when you play at a club like Rangers, you have to try and maintain that as much as you possibly can. Playing well for six or seven months isn't enough. The Rangers fans expect to win every game they're in, every competition they're involved in, whether that's you know realistic or not, Rob, they expect to win and the players have to live up to those demands. So are they stuttering to the finishing line? Well, it looks that way. I don't think they've been as fluent since Christmas, no doubt about it. They haven't been as fluent, whether that's players coming off it, whether it's the conditions, whether it's the weather, I don't know what it is, but they don't have the same zip to their play. They don't have that same freedom and freshness. Stephen Jarrett was making changes earlier in the season and it wasn't affecting performances. It is now. And I think now he'll be kneeling down. He knows what his best 11 are. And he has to try and make sure he maintains that because they can't let it drip off. European games, Scottish Cup potential. There's more chance of success and winning more games and they can't let it pass them by. I'm going to nail you down before we go. Kilmarnock, Motherwell tomorrow night, your prediction? Motherwell away win 1-0. Livingston against Hamilton? Home win Livingston 1-0. St Mirren, Celtic? Celtic will get a response. I think they'll win 2-0. Craigs, thank you very much for tonight. We're back uh, tomorrow night on the Go Radio Football Show with uh, Barry Ferguson and Leanne Crichton uh, alongside Paul Cooney. So join us for that one. And of course, uh, those games uh, to look forward to. Uh, Two of them will get underway in the course of the show. Kilmarnock against Motherwell and Livingston against Hamilton are both six o'clock kickoffs and it's an eight o'clock start for St Mirren against Celtic. So join Paul and Barry and Leanne tomorrow at five. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk.